Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Pastor Curtis Hutchinson. We're excited to be here again today studying the letter to the churches in Galatia. Way back when, written for us even today, I believe even more relevant for us today, or as relevant as they were back in that day. And uh, because of the condition of the church today, the same it's really the same way it's always been. It's, it's not really changed a lot through the years, all, you know, almost 2,000 years. Uh, the church has just had, always had a problem with law and grace and going back and forth. And we've just uh, really uh, learned a lot through this teaching. And what I mean by that is we, we hear the Word of God, we study the Word of God, and then we, by faith, allow the Holy Spirit to apply the Word of God to our lives that we might experience the liberty and the freedom that the truth brings us. And uh, before we get started this morning, before we dig in real good, I'm excited about it. I want to always let folks know about our book, 62-page booklet, All God's Works Are Done in Truth. Every week, somebody, uh, folks are ordering this book, and I'm mailing it to them for $15. You can get your copy today. Psalms 33, 4 is where this book really was derived from. For the word of the Lord is right, and all His works are done in truth. And Jesus is truth. The Word of God is truth, and what makes Him and God's Word applicable as a liberating truth to us is what He did at Calvary. I promise you this little 62-page booklet, if you're hungry for the truth, if you have an honest heart, will just bring much clarity to the Scriptures to you, remove a whole lot of confusion, and as it has for the people here in Crossway Church, and I'm just thankful for what the Lord has given us here. It is uh, Resurrection Sunday weekend. Uh, Friday morning here. We're looking forward to meeting with the saints on Sunday morning. It's also camp meeting weekend in Baton Rouge, and I pray that you'd be tuning in, watching those camp meeting services where the Spirit of God is moving and, and the truth is being ministered. Hallelujah. Praise God. Also, every Monday and Thursday, I'm releasing now a teaching that I'm doing on Romans, every Monday and Thursday about lunch, I release some more, uh, another episode, half-hour episode of the Romans teaching that I'm doing. So I, I encourage you to avail yourself to those teachings at my YouTube channel, Curtis Hutchinson 316. It's where they are located or on my Pastor Curtis Facebook page. Uh, one last thing, this next Wednesday, I'll be having surgery on three of my fingers, so pray for me. Uh, that all goes well, and, and uh, I'll be able to keep pointing <laughs> and praising God with this hand. It's uh, like a trigger finger issue on three fingers, believe it or not. And uh, they kind of lock up and all that, but just pray for me, all that goes well. Praise God. Well, this week in the book of Galatians chapter 2, it's our 21st session. It's the 30th day of March, 2018. And uh, that is our website, thecrosswaychurch.com. And that is our physical address, uh, 610 Highway 59, Queen City, Texas, 75572. In case you are uh, uh, writing for the book, you know, donating for the book, make sure that you put your address in there with your donation. A lot of people just donate and all there is is a name and the money and we don't have an address. So make sure your address is in there for those of you who support the ministry. Praise God and we thank God for you. 
Uh, today, uh, we're just going to, as we always do, ask the Lord for our daily bread. Ask the Lord to give us a greater revelation of Jesus and, and what He accomplished for us at Calvary. And uh, so we can walk in a greater light than ever before. Let's ask the Lord for that today. Father, we thank You today for allowing us to be here, to Lord, to be in a study of Your Word, to expect to hear from You today, to see things we've never seen or to have, Lord, the things that we have seen engrafted into a deeper place of our hearts, God, that they would become more uh, life to us, Lord, experience to us. We pray for a greater revelation of Jesus Christ today and who He really is and what He's really done for us and what He is attempting to do for us today by the power of His Holy Spirit. Lord, teach us Your Word today. Help us to understand Your Word today. And we just pray praise you for the great fruit that comes with understanding, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Last week, we kind of moved into verse 19 of chapter 2, and where Paul is saying uh, something, and we have to remember before we jump into this today that Paul is here instructing Peter, who has uh, forsaken grace, at least for a, a time period, and gone back under law. And he has jumped up, got away from the Gentiles who he's fellowshipping with and, and, and uh, celebrating and, and just worshiping the Lord and eating and fellowshipping with the Gentiles because he's realized we're all one in Christ. But when the uh, men from James's church, Jerusalem, came, who I guess they thought they were over everybody, not just the church in Jerusalem, I guess they thought they were just over everybody. And uh, that's not the way that works. Let me, let me say something about that this morning. There is not any church who is over any churches. Jesus is the head. He's the only thing over all the churches. We may look at another church and see what God is doing there and be encouraged, edified, exhorted by that. And God may lead us to follow suit among some things. But no church is above any church. No man is above to run the whole church. And so in this day, just like it is today, men thought that certain men were higher and, and, and certain ministries were higher. And that's not the case, my friend. Jesus is the only thing above any child of God. That's it. He's the head. We're the body. He's the only thing above a functioning body. Amen. I needed to say that this morning because some people think that there are certain ministries who are just over other ministries, and that's not the case. We're all the body of Christ. There's only one head, praise God. So what's going on here is, and sometimes we forget this when we're reading the Scriptures. I know I have, even recently in my study of this. I, I get down to verse 20 and, and 21, and I forget that Pete, Paul is still instructing Peter here, in the, and Barnabas and those who've got up and because they feared the Jews, the Jewish uh, people who were still touting off, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to be instructed, you've got to follow the law of Moses. Peter and Barnabas and the whole group of folks got up, left Paul standing there, and went and back under law, at least for a few moments, at least for some time period. So what I wanted to point out is, don't ever forget that the whole second chapter, and really more than that, uh, is, is, is 
Paul's instruction, rebuke, correction toward Peter, Barnabas, really Peter, and everybody else just got to hear it because Peter was really the one that they'd made leader. You know what I mean? He was the one they were looking to because the Bible tells us in chapter 2 when Peter was carried off by that dissimulation, Barnabas went with him. So the rebuke was to Peter, but it was for everybody, just like it was for Peter. But today, I hope you, as I do, take it personally for me. You know, uh, Martin Luther, if you read about Martin Luther, he, he, what you read is that he was, the, I read this, it was that he was betrothed, he was married to the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians is what God used to open his eyes to let him see, man, I'm, I'm, in, I'm going down the wrong avenue. I'm not justified by all these works. According to the Word of God, I'm justified by faith alone. And the book of Galatians will bring a rebuke to you if you will let the Lord do that. If you're off track, I know a lot of people don't think they're off track and they're off track and you just can't convince them, but is your faith in the cross or is your preacher preaching the cross? I don't, I'm not talking about mentioning it, I'm talking about is he opening the Word of God and relaying how that is in the context of Christ, the truth, and what he did at Calvary so that your faith can be literally legitimate in the Word of God because only as it's in the cross is it really in the word of god and if that's not the case then even though you say well my preacher preaches across and man i've known this all my life and then you ask them what do you do to be delivered from this or that and they tell you what they got to do proves they don't really know how to live for god and, and 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 they don't really have ears that hear so that's what's going on here a rebuke a correction and a, a redirecting back to truth so don't forget that just because you move through this and sometimes i think we do that we forget that that this is a rebuke the whole chapter 2 at least is a rebuke to peter and those who had gone back at least temporarily under law because if you fear people those who are practicing and living by the law and you get away from those obviously run away from those who those think they've got you know they're under the law and you go and get away from the gentiles and you go back it's just obvious what happened there and that's why the rebuke came so in verse 19 paul says for i through the law am dead to the law that i might live unto god and th this is really a, uh, an elementary thing because we had to die to law to be able to live by the Spirit unto God. Look at what it says there. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. There is no such thing as living unto God under the law. And think about this. We're all born under the law, everybody, even though we're not Jews, we're Gentiles, we're born under the law, Romans 2, 14 and 15. I've got that here in my notes, and I always like to bring that up since the Lord showed it to me. Uh, it's the proof that Gentiles even have the law. We're born under the law, even though we're not Jews. The law is still written in our hearts. Watch this, Romans 2, 14 and 15. For when the Gentiles, that's us, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. And, he, and here, is how, here comes the manifestation of it, verse 15, Romans 2 and 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Do you see that? Even Gentiles have the law written in their hearts, and here it comes, 
we even as Gentiles show the work of the law that's written in our hearts, our conscience also bearing witness, and our thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. My goodness, you see that as a huge picture today in the liberal media in this nation. As long as this person they like is doing something, even though it's sinful, man, they're not even going to talk about it. It's okay. But somebody they don't like doing the same thing, they're going to judge them and condemn them. They're excusing this sin, but they're accusing over here. That's because they're under law. Grace doesn't do that. We do that. We excuse certain things if, if we're gaining something through the flesh. But my goodness, when we stop gaining through the flesh, we, we'll just condemn them. You know what I mean? We'll condemn them. So, and that only happens under law. That don't happen under grace. Under grace, there's no respecter of persons. Under grace, we love everybody. Under grace, we're not condemning or excusing sin. We're running to Calvary and repenting. Thank you for the blood, Jesus. We're not excusing. Listen, when we sin, we don't excuse sin in our lives. It breaks our heart as children of God. Neither do I condemn myself for two or three days thinking I need to to just be in a pity party. That is... Is works, my friend, that come under the law. When I sin, yes, it breaks my heart. Yes, I hate it. Yes, I feel bad about it. Literally feel bad about it. But I'm not going to lay down on the carpet and waller for two or three days. That right there is proof that my faith is not really where it should be. Listen, we're talking about that line that divides those that really love God and those that want to walk with God, that those who are just making excuses and trying to see just how much sin they can get away with. And that's, that's not who we are as children of God. We don't excuse sin in our lives, and we don't condemn ourselves over sin because Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. And that's not just something we quote so we can keep living in sin. That's something we can believe so we can get out of sin. Glory to God. Woo, we need to learn that. But I know there will always be people here who hear exactly what I just said, and they'll run with that in the flesh. But I'm not one of them. I want to live for God, please God, find the victory that the Lord Jesus Christ died to give me. Amen. But I wanted to show you that because even us Gentiles are born under the law. Our conscience bearing it out by us excusing or condemning each other, our own selves. So he says here, for though, for I through the law am dead to the law. How many of you know it's the law really, that made Jesus go to the cross. The law we couldn't keep. The law that, that made us... I mean, the law didn't make us sinners, but God gave us the law to show us how sinful we were. And because we couldn't keep it, Romans chapter 8 tells us that, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, Jesus had to come and fulfill the law. We couldn't. We were lawbreakers. He's the law keeper. And so we were born under the law, as we just saw in Romans 2, 14 and 15. We were born under the law, and we were born guilty because the law is a ministry of condemnation and death. We were born already separated from God in sins. And so uh, all are already dead to the law as it is a ministry of condemnation and death, and we are born under it. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Jesus, born of a woman, virgin born, under the law. 
Watch this. Why? To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God does not work under law. God only does one thing for people who are under law, and that is convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That's why when Peter, Barnabas, and whoever else got up and ran back to the law keepers to be away from the, those under grace, to go back under those, uh, be with those who were under law, this is why Paul had to stand up and bring this rebuke. Because they were going back under something that would literally separate them in their fellowship with God. Because the law, listen, the law only works condemnation and death. And death is separation from God. You and I are born in our sins, separated from God. And the only way we can be reconciled back to God is... 2 Corinthians 5.19, to know that God was in Christ reconciling sinners to himself on the cross. We're reconciled by the blood. We're born in sin, dead, separated from God because we were under the law, born guilty. And Jesus died so we could be reconciled to the law. Now as born-again Christians, when we go back under the law, as Peter temporarily did, and might I add, as we all have temporarily done, most of the church exists there today because they don't know the way of the cross for sanctification. And so when we and Peter and Barnabas and go back under the law, we don't lose our souls, but we enter into a place where... We're, in, we're not in fellowship with God anymore because we're separate. Death is separation. Under law is condemnation and death. And this death is a separation of fellowship. The proof of that is in this same letter written to the Galatian churches in chapter 1, verse 6. I marvel that you've so soon removed yourself from him that calls you unto this grace. Galatians 5, 1 through 4 talks about if you do go back, if you do go with them and get circumcised, if you do let the faith in the cross go and try to mix circumcision. There is no mixture. You go back under law. The Bible there says, very important you know this in Galatians 5, 1 through 4, that you go back under law, you fall from grace, you're now in a place, the Bible says right there, i got to say it again, Galatians 5, 1 through 4, that you fall from grace, Christ can no longer profit and affect you. Think about that. That means you're now out of fellowship with. Even though you may be praying, you may be uh, worshiping, you may be doing all these things, you, ha you, you are in a place now under law, Christ cannot profit you, He cannot affect you. I've got a Bible. And I know people hear this, they're like, well, I ain't never heard it. Well, read your Bible. It is there. I didn't say you lose your soul. Listen, but Jesus was born of a woman under law to redeem us out of the law. And only thing he does for folk under the law is try to call them out by pointing the, them to what he did at the cross. Through faith in the cross, I get grace that saves and delivers me from the law. I do not leave the law on any other terms except by the reception of grace. 
I don't, I'm under law until I receive grace. People who teach that you have to be water baptized to be saved, they're not receiving grace. They're still under the law of doing. The law is just not Ten Commandments and all the rituals and rites and ceremonies and feasts of the Old Covenant of Israel. Listen, a law is me doing something. That's law. If I'm doing something for salvation, for sanctification, then that's the mentality. Even if I don't know it, I'm ignorant of it, and I'm not aware of it. It's the mentality of, in the back of my mind, even if I don't see it, is if I do this, God then owes me. That's works and wages. The only wage we're worthy of is death. Praise God. But Jesus came and tasted death by the grace of God that we might live, have life, be reconciled to Him and have this great and marvelous grace which is God functioning in our life every day unless we jump up and go back under law. God does not function under law. Galatians 5.18 says, Those that are led of the Spirit... Mm, This is a powerful scripture. Those that are led of the Spirit are not under the law. If you're being led of the Holy Ghost, He's not telling you, the God of all creation is not telling you that your doing something has made you holy. He's not telling you that your doing something has saved you, sanctified you. There is no holy fruit except the manifestation of the Holy One be in your life. Your no pants and no makeup, that has nothing to do with holiness because that's what you're doing. That's not His doing through you. Mm. If you don't want to wear makeup and you don't want to wear pants, listen, that's fine. If you don't want to do this or do that's fine. Nobody, I'm not going to condemn you over it, but know this, anything you're doing cannot save you cannot sanctify you, and cannot bring forth the fruit of holiness. The Holy One working in you and through you is the only one. See, holiness is the fruit of God. It's only, it's, it's only considered by the Lord my fruit if my faith is in what allows Him to produce that in my life. And He doesn't work in my life based on my works. He works in my life based on my faith in the truth. All God's works are done in truth. Amen. Praise God. So I want you to see that. Jesus was born under the law to redeem them from under the law. So there ain't no need to go back under the law. The law is a place of separation. Death. And so all those running around and preaching all this stuff, even that say we just don't understand the Bible, listen, those who understand the Bible are those who see everything through the blood. Everything through the blood or their context of Scripture is out of whack. It's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to reveal truth to you. That means it must come through Christ first and what He did at Calvary for you to understand this. That's, and this is a great example, and I've been sharing this, and I'm going to continue. There are lots of new viewers finding us on YouTube channel all over the world and, and have, like we have in the past, believed false things and weren't aware of it because we didn't understand that you were given eyesight 
only by God, only through your faith in the cross. You did not see, you were blind until you received your sight through faith in the cross. What Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verses 3 and verse 5, you cannot enter the kingdom or even see it until you're born again. That means through faith in the blood of Jesus, the cross, the work there, his death, you were given sight, you begin to see. Praise God. And how did you start seeing? Through the blood. So when you started studying the Word of God, you, you were studying according to truth that you had received and that had saved you. Who Jesus is, what Jesus did. So when you get off track and you start listening to grandma or somebody, friend or a co-worker, and they drag you in some church, it's not preaching the Word in truth. That means through the context of Christ and what He did at Calvary, you're going to get off track. And such as Mark 16, 16 says, He that believes... And is baptized shall be saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Well, if you're seeing that scripture through the blood, you're going to know instant, instantly that that cannot be speaking of me having to be water baptized to be saved because nothing I do can save me. But if you don't see the scriptures through the blood of Christ and His work, which eliminates all yours, and I'm not talking about the works of Christianity. The, I'm th not talking about Christian works in Christ ordained for us to walk in, Ephesians 2.10. I'm talking about what people are calling works to be saved, works to be sanctified, works that you're doing that, that are producing salvation and sanctification. I'm not talking about that. Well, that is what I'm talking about. You, you, you cannot see the Scriptures in their proper context unless you see them through the blood. So if, if, you, if your focus is on Calvary, His work, that's going to show you when, when things have been confusing to you in the Scriptures, the Holy Spirit's now going to reveal the truth to you, which always liberates you from the bondage of law. The law of doing, not, not talking about going to church, reading your Bible. The Holy Spirit will teach you to do those things and to give and to pray and fast and all those things. But you don't do it. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to doing those things for salvation. That's what the devil through others and our own flesh will get us to try to get us to do. And when Peter and Barnabas jumps up and runs over there, that's what brought this whole rebuke here to Peter, to his face, in front of a whole group of people there. So, uh, we need to remember that. Romans 7, 9 through 11 says this. Paul writes this. For I was alive without the law once. That means when he got saved. But when the commandment came... That means when he... See, Paul is revealing here his experience, his learning experience. And it has to be what I'm telling you, because he was not alive without the law. He was always dead and separated uh, under the law. So he says, I was alive without the law once. When I got saved, I was alive, hallelujah, by grace. Uh, and, I, and, and law didn't give me the life I have, you see? That's proof right there. Law didn't give us life. Grace gives us life, which is what Christ did at Calvary. But when the commandment came, when I looked back to the commandments and thought I'd just keep living according to the commandments, what happened? Sin revived and I died. Hmm, pretty powerful. And the commandment which was ordained to life, I found to be death. 
Every time, and the reason he says that is because if you're trying to live by any law of doing, you know you're a failure. You might do it today, but tomorrow you're not going to. Even rules and laws that your preacher or your own self make up for you, you can't keep doing them. You can't do anything, even if it's something you swear up and down you're going to do. I remember being a little boy walking down the road back in the days and tell, tell, telling them my age here when me and my brother would walk down the highway picking up them glass bottles because you could get money for them glass bottles back then. And I picked up a glass, uh, uh, a bottle, a Coke bottle. or well, No, it wasn't a Coke bottle. I'll tell you what kind of bottle it was. I smell, I knew it looked kind of funny. Had never seen that kind of bottle. And I smelt of it. And I said, "Woo! somebody has used the bathroom in that bottle. And somebody was there with us, and they said, that is not what you think it is. That's beer. That's alcohol. And I said, man, I swear I'll never drink that mess. That is the grossest thing. I thought that was something else. And guess what? I wake up one day years later and be drinking 12 of them a day. I don't, it doesn't matter what you say you will or won't do. You have no power in and of yourself. Even laws, you or your preacher or your daddy, mama, you, you proved that growing up. Mama and daddy told you not to do that. You did it. You got a whooping. Woo, I'll never do that again. You did it again. You just can't keep rules and regulations. It takes the Holy Ghost to live for God. You can't just decide you're going to live for God. I'm going to start doing this every day and that every day. And people go to church and they get convicted and more of that the Lord the Lord convicts them I'm gonna start reading my Bible every day man 10 days later that Bible's put up on the shelf again you can't just determine what you're going to do but you can determine what you're going to put your faith in when you put your faith in the sacrifice of Christ then the Holy Spirit will give you that power and that hunger and desire to read his word to study his word and to know him through his word I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit can work through you but you my friend I cannot just decide I'm going to do something and do it every day I'll wake up one day and just ain't going to do it yeah I know how we are so and that that's not I don't care how strong willed you say you are there will be a day where you don't do. Oh, you might stay home and locked up and try to lie and put on a show, but there will be a day you don't do what you swore that you was going to do. Mm. Or you do what you swore you'd never do. I remember as a boy hearing people use God's name in vain, and that literally used to bring a fear on me and make me feel almost sick. And there, I'd never do that. Oh, I'd never do that. Just to grow up and be one of the most foul-mouthed persons in my town. I'm telling you, it don't matter what you say you're going to do. You can write it down and put it on the refrigerator and quote it all day long. You have no power. That will is nothing. And even the strongest will people in the world, they end up worshiping their will. And that's wrong. Mm. Watch this. And the commandment, this is Romans 17, and the command, we're talking about law versus grace. That's really the whole letter to the Galatians, what it's about. And the commandment which was ordained to life, show you life, I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment, my goodness, we, can we see that today? Sin takes occasion, has the, has the occasion... When we try to live under law, sin takes the occasion to deceive me and to slay us. I hope we can see that today. We're not talking about the Ten Commandments of Moses. 
We're not. Ta- we're talking about me as a preacher telling you in your sin issue that you're bound and changed by. If you'll just read a chapter a day, be in church every Sunday, give tithes and offerings, do this, do that, do, 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 then God will deliver you. I just set you under a list of rules, regulations that God sees as law. I don't care what it is. It's law if it's your doing. And under law, it revives the sin nature. Romans 7, 5 says it's the law that puts the sin in motion. Speaking of the sin nature. And listen, here it tells us that sin takes occasion by the command. The sin nature is just waiting for me to get out out of grace and go back to law so that he can deceive me even greater. And slay me. Using the word of God the whole time. Quoting scriptures every day. The devil loves those that are... You don't love anybody, but he loves to see those that are under law quoting scripture, thinking they got liberty. Thinking they're walking in it and they're just as bound as anybody's ever been. The only way to get out from under law, the law is doing anything for righteousness sake, is to receive the grace of God. And that only avenue is the cross of Jesus Christ. I'm glad I know that today. But even though I know it, doesn't mean that I can't jump up. Doesn't mean fear can't grip my heart. Doesn't mean I can't jump into a, a big boatload of hypocrisy tomorrow. But, but listen, it does mean when I see this very story, Peter and Barnabas jumping up, going back under law, look, look away from Peter and Barnabas for a minute. Look at Paul. He's standing Although he's alone, he's standing. What did Paul have on this day that Peter and Barnabas didn't have? A greater understanding, a greater assurance. Listen, Paul was a Jew just like Peter. Why didn't Paul respect and revere those people coming from James's church like Peter did? Why didn't why was Paul not moved with fear because Paul had experienced some things first. He had experienced what it was like to go back under law and 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 and, and realize that law was a place of death and Peter listen Peter had Peter was a man that went through a lot he continually went through a lot, and I don't want to be tough on Peter. We need to, listen, we need to respect our older brother, Peter. We need to understand that Peter did so many wrong things, but don't just look at all the wrong things. Notice what is what God, the Holy Ghost, wants you to see about Peter. It's why all his mistakes are written in the Bible. You, listen, you kept seeing Peter because Peter kept learning, Peter kept growing, and Peter kept going. Glory to God. you got to keep learning you got to keep growing so you can keep going and although peter man my lord the list is this long of the lord rebuking him so many times and i mean cutting the guy's ear off and that was about yesterday two days before easter or resurrection sunday and and i mean peter walking on water but sinking fear that fear gripped his heart right there preached on pentecost three thousand got saved i mean he done had a vision of of the gentiles being clean like like everybody's clean if, if, if they're in Christ and, and then an angel comes and sends him to Cornelius' house. He preaches to Cornelius and his family and the whole family while he's preaching gets saved and filled, begins to speak with other tongues. Jesus, uh, before that, or, or has already 
appear to him after his resurrection and ask him three times, do you love me? If you do, feed my sheep. I mean, I mean, Peter just failure, but he gets up. Failure, but he gets up. And later, Peter writes concerning Paul that some of Paul's writings, his epistles, he calls them, are hard to understand, and some people are twisting them. Listen to what Peter says, as they do the other scriptures. He gives, listen, he gives credit to Paul and considers him an apostle and one who God has called in writing scripture. And I believe that day that Paul rebuked Peter, I believe Peter had a revelation of what Paul had to stand up, and the rebuke wasn't something ugly. It was the preaching of the gospel. See, the gospel is what the Lord rebukes with. That's, he's not going to come up and slap you upside the head with a sledgehammer and say, you've messed up again. He's always going to tell you, this is wrong because this is what's right. Remember what he told Peter? Get behind me, Satan. Because you savor the things of men more than you do the things of God. And why did Jesus tell him that that day? Because Jesus said, we're going to Jerusalem. His mission was to go to Jerusalem, to be crucified. And, and Peter said, no, they'll kill you. We're not going to Jerusalem. And Peter, Peter's problem was my problem. It's, most, it's all the church's problem to some degree. And it also, fear is a real thing. Fear will grip your heart. How many times after you've learned the truth as far as it being the cross, faith in the cross alone, God's been able to bring you back to faith in grace, faith in the cross alone, and you've learned more however long it's been since he's brought you back. But then you get around those people that they're saying things wrong and you don't say anything. The reason you don't, you can write down a list of all the things you want to write, but they're not... And they may be legitimate, but they're all a result of fear. Fear. Fear will paralyze you. Fear will paralyze your tongue. Fear will make you join the ranks of those who are not of God, not walking with God. But faith will cause you to stand your ground and have a boldness that comes through faith in the blood to just tell the truth, no matter who it is, no matter if it's your parents that are going to divorce you and write you off, or your friends, or your boss, or whoever it is. Faith always moves the tongue and the lifestyle in the direction the Lord is leading. Fear always paralyzes us and keeps us steady. And you don't have to live your whole life repenting 40 times a day, all the rest of your life saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm just, I won't, fear is controlling my life. You can be delivered from fear. But the only place you're going to find deliverance is is a real faith in what happened at Calvary. Because, listen, fear, fear plays a part. Fear, fear operates under law. Tough, that's tough. Fear operates under law. Because perfect love found under grace casts out all fear. And you and I have to admit that we're learning along the way. And just like Peter, fear grips our hearts. And we, even in our unawareness, we, we, we move back in a wrong direction, but the Lord is faithful to show up and to point us back to grace, just like he did through Paul here. God is still using the, the, the writings of the Apostle Paul, and the Holy Spirit can come along and rebuke us. We need that. If you don't, if, if you don't handle rebuke well, then you, you're not, you, you don't walk with the Lord well. 
because we're so messed up and flawed that he is always going to be able, have to be able to correct us. When we go the wrong way, we've got to be able to hear the Lord. How am I going to hear the Lord? Not just some cloud, not just something in my head, the Word of God. You have the Word of God. I'm just going to say this today. If you don't know the Word of God, you're not going to be able to follow the Lord very well. You're not going to be able to understand what that is that you just you don't know what it is. You've got to study the Word of God. God told us to to study His Word. Amen. So let me read verse 11 in, in chapter 7 of Romans again. Because sin, taking occasion by the commandment. We need to have that highlighted in our Bibles. The sin nature takes advantage of, looks for the occasion. It's occasion to move and deceive. Deception, listen, deception is under the law. Deception takes place under the law. Sin taking occasion, the sin nature takes occasion when we go back under the law and we're, and we're found in deception. Do you not think that Peter and Barnabas were deceived that day as much as Peter had been used? And see, here we are again having to get real and honest this morning because even as preachers, we've preached the truth for a few years. We think we've moved and grown and matured, and thank God we really have. But don't ever get in a place you think that you just can't be deceived. And I know everybody stands in this story. Well, I'm, I'm like Paul. You know, I'm the one that brings all the correction. <laughs> no, Paul admits it right to the Roman church. Listen, I was alive without the law once. That means I found grace and I begin to live. But when the commandment came, when I look back to the law, sin revived and I died. Paul had to learn this too. Paul, everybody has had to learn this. You and I are still today having to learn this. We have not learned it, and we can just check that off. That don't happen in this life. You can put that ink pen up. You might, you might pull it out every once in a while and say, Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. You got me out again. But there are no check marks, and, 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 and now I'm elevated to some. You know, a man told me one time, he said, I've been delivered from pride. I said, Me too, every day, and it's still happening. <laughs> But when you think you've been delivered from pride and you don't have a pride issue no more, oh, we just take about 20 minutes and sit with you. <laughs> and I promise you, if you're honest and you'll get in the Word of God, you will realize when you look to Calvary, you're going to find out how humble you really are not sometimes. You're going to find out how faithful we are not sometimes. Our faith really is never what we think it is. And the Lord is faithful enough to show up many times just like he did because he loved Peter. He keeps showing up. And every time he shows up, it's to confirm something or to change something in my life. And as flawed as we are, and we're very flawed, if I lived another 500 years before Christ came to get me, I'd still be flawed. Well, that means we're pretty flawed, doesn't it? Pretty flawed. Flawed more than we would like to admit or imagine. Just because you see somebody that's not as mature as you are in the Lord, just remember before you elevate yourself above them that you're still flawed yourself. And instead of exalting yourself, 
and giving God an, a, an opportunity to abase you. You need to help those people. Be patient with those people like God is being patient with us. Amen. Praise God. Uh, praise the Lord. So, we've got to be careful about this. We've got to understand that law is not just the Ten Commandments. Law, law consists of anything I think I have to do to be saved or sanctified. I know people say, well, brother, the Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, again, if you see Scripture through the blood, you're going to understand that's not talking about working for salvation, working to be sanctified. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Jesus was made unto me redemption, sanctification. He is my sanctification. That means I can't work for it. Don't you know the essence of grace, the very essence of grace, means that I don't work for it. That it was given to me freely of of God through my faith in what His Son did for me. And law is me thinking, i got to work for it. It's like people who go into fasting and think they're going to find deliverance from fasting. Deliverance is only found in Christ through faith in what He did at the cross. Fasting is a time that we set apart to draw near to God in relationship, in fellowship, and to hear Him more clearly, to put away something we've been doing and give that time solely to God, exclusively to God. Put the cell phone out in the barn. Uh, uh, unplug the television. Anything, whatever it is, and just get with God. And, 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 and it's not to be saved or delivered or sanctified. It's a result of us already being saved and sanctified by the Holy Spirit through our faith in the cross. Amen. And I've quoted this scripture, but I'm going to quote it again this morning. It's here in my notes. Very powerful scripture that all should know. And I know this. People cannot know this. That means they cannot receive this as it is written if they're not seeing scriptures through the finished work of Christ. Oh, could we talk about that? The finished work of Christ means everything for our salvation was finished at the cross. That's right. Not at the resurrection, at the cross. He justified me by His blood in His death, not the resurrection. Everything was finished. So all we're called to work, to walk in, are the works of that are already finished, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, from the foundation of the world. Works are finished. We just rest in Christ and His finished work, and those are the works we walk in. That, that's good news. That's, I don't have to work for it. Again, the mentality of thinking I have to do something to be saved other than believe is the mentality of thinking when I do this, God owes me. And God owes no man anything, but all men owe him everything. Galatians 5.18, I'm going to quote it one more time this morning. But if you be led of the Spirit, if you are being led of the Spirit, you are not under law. So let's look at the scenario that we're reading about in Galatians chapter 2. When Peter and Barnabas jumped up through fear, went and joined themselves to the Pharisees, to, to whoever they were from James's church, they became hypocritical. They 
esteemed and, and, and respected others more than others in the church. This means they were not led of the Spirit to do this. They weren't led of the Spirit to push away the Gentiles and throw that chicken leg under that cloth and hide it like they ain't been eating nothing with them and, and run over there to get away from them to, to show themselves attached to these law keepers. Not. They couldn't keep the law, but they wanted everybody to think they, they could. They weren't led of the Spirit. The one in this scenario, this story that was led of the Spirit, was the Apostle Paul, who stood his ground, determined not to be moved by fear when men brought the law into his camp. Think about that. He wasn't moved with fear when these men brought, listen, brought the law into his camp, into the church there in Antioch. He wasn't moved with fear. He was moved by faith, and faith moves us toward the gospel. Mm, we need to, oh, we need to know that better than we do today. Fear will move you away from the power of the gospel. Faith moves you toward the uh, results of what happened at Calvary, what the good news of Jesus Christ. Faith, in faith, Paul stood his ground and was able to deliver the truth to those who were no longer being led of the Spirit. This is a massive issue in the church today. Preachers turn the TV on. They're just going to, in the message, they'll be telling you what you've got to do. They'll be preaching against sin hard. And the devil dupes and seduces us by uh, thinking, boy, they're a good preacher. They're preaching against sin. But they're not a good preacher just because they're preaching against sin. Anybody has a conscience that knows they shouldn't be living in sin. Even without the Spirit of God, we have a conscience. Think about that. And preachers that are just preaching against sin and then telling people what they got to do, in, in God's eyes, they're under law. They're not being led of the Spirit to preach that message. The people are being, by that man of God in the pulpit, are being pointed away from what the Spirit of God leads in, the truth of the gospel. Think about that. And all over the world today, we leave churches every Sunday morning, Wednesday night, thinking, man, that was a powerful message. I'm glad we got our preacher. And he did not tell us how to find deliverance from this mess that's got our marriages wrapped up, choking the life out of our kids, don't know how to act, I want to live for God, but I just don't know how, and my preacher keeps telling me to do these three things, I keep trying, I just can't do it, and I just, I, I get, eventually, you just quit. And that's why America's got this problem of a testimony of, yeah, I used to be in church, I tried that, because when they went, the answer wasn't there. The answer wasn't there. He's not a good preacher because he's preaching against sin. He's a good preacher if, the, if he's being led of the Spirit that will always point people to the Word of God in the context of Christ and Him crucified because only through the cross can we find the deliverance that the Word of God reveals to us. Only through faith in the cross, of, the cross of Christ can we find the fruit that can be in our lives that the Word of God reveals to us. Amen. So if you're led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. And we see in this case, Peter and Barnabas and those who got up and went to be with 
those under law, became a part of them under law. And they were not led of the Spirit. Think about all the hundreds of thousands of preachers in the world today who are, will preach law even on Resurrection Sunday morning. They'll preach the, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but in an, a state of ignorance. And God doesn't honor ignorance. He doesn't just go ahead and give you anyway. That's unbiblical in this very letter to the Galatian churches. points that out. You can fall from grace. No, He doesn't remove Himself from you. You remove yourself from Him in the place that He can affect you and profit you. And after they preach the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, they'll throw in something you've got to do. Well, if you want to experience resurrection life, then if you, listen, you'll do these three things, or just this one thing. If you'll just do this one thing this week, you'll experience this resurrection life. And if it's not faith in the sacrifice of Christ, they've just lied to you. And there's a whole lot of lying going on because ministers, and I speak from experience, years as a minister in pulpits, was just simply lying to God's people because I did not, I wasn't being led of the Spirit. The Spirit of God only leads in truth. He has a name. It's Jesus. And Jesus means Redeemer. Truth always liberates, but there is no liberation except through the cross. Truth always liberates. Truth always points in a way that liberates. Truth always delivers. Truth always edifies. Truth is always what the Holy Spirit will give you to lead you. But there is no liberty outside faith in the cross. So this again points us back to the Word of God. Is it the Word of God, my friend, or is it the cross of Christ? It's the cross of Christ allowing us to have faith in the Word of God. Think about this. In, in John 5 and 39, Jesus told the unbelieving law, law uh, uh, unabiding law, attempting to keep, you know, thought they were living by the law, boasters of the law. Jesus told them, you search the Scriptures for in them... You think you have life, but they are they which testify of me. In verse 40 of John chapter 5, right after that he says, But you won't come to me that you might have life. The Scriptures do speak of life, but only through Christ. You can quote the Word, you can go to church, you can, you can memorize the Bible if you set your mind to it, but guess what? You've got to come to the Word through Christ. That means the sacrifice of Christ. Because He is the truth. And what makes Him the liberating... Jesus said, when you know the truth, the truth, truth will make you free. And He's talking about free from sin. What is it about Him who is the truth that freed us from sin? What He did at Calvary. I, I, I'll never stop preaching this because I've seen a move of the Holy Spirit in my life from day one, the day that I initially accepted and subjected myself to this truth, the cross of Christ. The Holy Spirit's been able to begin explaining to me the Word of God and, and helping me to preach and teach the Word of God that others can be affected and profited by Christ and, and have the testimony that I do that once the Lord, I came back and realized that the Word of God is truth, that means about Jesus and what He did on the cross to become my truth, He's begun to affect me and profit me, the ministry, my family, everything about me. 
I was at the doctor yesterday morning for my pre-week-before-surgery checkup, and, and I'll be 57 this year. And they said, they all, like they do everybody, they give you this piece of paper and got all this stuff on it, and they said, what, just put on here what, what all medications you take. And I said, I don't take any medicine. I, I don't need to take any medicine. And they looked at me like I had three heads. And everybody in the whole office stopped and looked at the window. I thought, my Lord, is the world on drugs? And that's okay if you have to take something. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it freaked them out. I just said, I'm blessed. And later, I heard them in the office and they're talking about, and I, just out in my ear, I was filling out some other papers. And I, Lord, all these people that come in here and ain't on no medicine. A woman of that 90 years old ain't on no medicine. And then I went to the other place where I had to give them half my life savings to operate on my three fingers next week. And I heard, when they asked me what medication, you know, I said, I don't have any. They said, oh, man, that's amazing. Two people in a row today. That's really something. You know, so I give all the glory to God, all the praise to God. Because, I, listen, it ain't because I'm eating right. <laughs> He's just blessing me, amen? I'm trusting in Him. Praise God. And I'm not saying that you're not trusting in him. If, if, if you're taking a blood pressure pill, you can trust in him as much as I can or, or more than I can. But I'm saying we're blessed of God. And I've asked him to let me be a living testimony. Let me be a living testimony. I don't want to uh, be chopped away by the enemy in any way. I want to be a living testimony unto God. And you know what? I give God all the glory as he was able to bring me back to the message of the cross. For in it is the power of God for everything we need. And I'm thankful for that today. Very thankful for that today. So we're going to end here. Y'all didn't let me do but one scripture today. So we're not getting very far in this teaching. Maybe the rapture will come before next week. And I think we've got about three or four minutes. Isn't that right, Brother Terry? Three minutes left. Praise God. I don't see my timer's not running today. So uh, I'll just, uh, we might go an hour over. No, not really. Camp meetings, a uh, recording starts in uh, just about a few minutes at 10 o'clock. So I won't keep you. I know most of you want to watch that today. And uh, praise God, uh, praise the Lord. So just we'll close in just saying this today. This entire letter to the Galatian churches was because there was a huge problem, same problem that still exists today, law in the church. And law separates us from the will of God, separates us from the fellowship with God. It brings us back into an agreement with those that are in a bondage that Christ literally came to give His life for to get us out from the law. That we could be adopted sons of God. That means live as children of God. Jesus, uh, in, in John 1 and 12, the Bible says, They that believe upon His name, to them He gave power to become the children of God. That means to live a Christian life, but it only happens under grace. It does not happen under law. And I believe many times in our lives we jump back under law more than we'd be willing to admit. Even those of us who know the message of the cross, but it should be happening less and less and less. Peter, at this point, he's still moved by fear occasionally, jumps back with the Judaizers or the ones under the law, bound under the law, whoever they were from the church in Jerusalem, James's church. But Peter would even get to a point one day where he would be persecuted unto death because of his faith. 
And uh, so, you know, we're growing. Can I just say that? We're growing. And don't judge other people because they're not growing as fast as you're growing. Because in one day, something can happen to you to make you feel like you, you're six years behind now. <laughs> but know this, faith always gets you up and, it, and, and you're not condemned and you just keep marching, running this race. And that's what this letter to the Galatian churches is to me today. It should be to you. is a rebuke and a warning. Those of us who've been brought back to grace, faith and grace, and we've been walking now for a few years in grace, delivered from under the law. I'm not talking about saved. I'm talking about we were already saved, but we went back under law. But the Lord faithfully showed up, rebuked us. We could hear the Holy Spirit leading us back to grace, convicting us. And we followed him, but it was in a desperate place we were in. Every person that's being led of the Spirit today is a person who realizes they're desperate for his leading. Every person that's being led of the Spirit. It's not just a case, sirrah, sirrah, well, I'm being led of the Spirit, whatever, whatever. No, those who are being led of the Spirit are thanking God for his grace that the Spirit leads. The Spirit of God always leads us. Under grace. He only leads under grace. He comes to get you from under the law, but the only place He'll lead you is not into another law, but under grace. Praise God. I'm glad I know that. Well, I hope you've gotten something out of this teaching. I encourage you to hit the share button, not just the like button on Facebook. Share this with all of your friends on Facebook and tell them, ask them to Tune in every Friday morning at 9 o'clock to hear the Word of God taught as He is in truth. And then when believed in truth, He will effectually work in your life. Praise God. See you next week. Love you.